Hello, my name is Leslie Kane, and I am the host of the Why Not Today podcast. This is a podcast to celebrate people who have been courageous and said, why not today? I started this podcast in honor of my father, Patrick Kane, who often did say, why not today? I'm based in Reston, Virginia, playing community right outside of Washington, D.C., and thanks for joining us today. So I'm excited to have my guest today, who I've known of for years, but didn't get to know her until recently, and been watching what she's been doing. She's doing some new stuff on social media. So Amy Kemp is my guest today. And I've just been watching, seeing her and what she's been doing. And I reached out to her and she has a book coming out, which we're going to talk about. And so reached out to her and just so impressed with how she evolved and the courage it took to kind of recreate yourself. And I'm finding a lot of people doing the, and then something, adding something. And you definitely did that. So, and have a book coming out on February 29th, which I know you can pre-order now. So I'm super excited to hear your courage stories and um, have you share just as we approach the new year and um, just talking about how we can love ourselves and see, be seen. So Amy Kemp, introduce yourself with a fun fact and then we'll get into courage. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm applauding your courage in creating something like this. I think anytime we actually put that idea into motion or take action on it, this podcast was, I'm sure, an idea before it was reality. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Signifies the presence of courage. There's no yeah. way to do it without. <laughs> so I applaud your steps um, to do that yeah. and to serve people in this space. Quick story. Uh, I live an hour south of Chicago. I love the strategy of building businesses. I love all things about business. I find it to be a very creative, energizing, exciting space. Um, having an idea or a product or a service and bringing it into the world to serve the world. I am a writer, always as an English major and always have loved words and reading and words uh, have changed my life. And I think they're very important. I'm a teacher. Actually, my first life was as a teacher, a high school teacher. So, but I still find myself constantly using those skills and it's a part of who I am. Uh, and then I'm also a space holder, meaning I create safe spaces for people to grow and learn as a coach where, uh, I help them discover what's next on their journey. So, I also have three kids and a husband who are awesome and very messy and imperfect. <laughs> and isn't that life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's a fun fact about Amy Kemp? Okay. One thing that people are often surprised about is that I love sports talk radio. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I will always be listening to some sort of dumb podcast, you know, or I, I love the Dan Patrick show, for example. And I love listening to, I think it's three men, three old men and a something, but that's JJ Reddick's podcast. But I just love when I'm relaxing and I need to give my brain a break. It's a fun place for me to. Okay. Never would have guessed that. I well, if you, lived, if you lived in the DC area, you'd know there's lots of stuff happening here sports wise yeah. <laughs> could be a whole show on itself so um yeah crazy stuff going on so amy what is your definition of courage mm -hmm. i think it's inviting all the feelings that come up 
when you're going to engage or embark on a new journey to just come along with you. It's not about like, I'm not going to feel all those things. I'm not going to feel the fear and feel the anxiousness and feel the uncertainty and feel the doubt. It's that I just say, oh, those feelings are there. And courage to me is like, hop in the car. We're going. (laughs) That's so true. And that's this whole podcast. And my word this year is actually brave. It switched a million times, became brave because I am working on or putting in place the pieces to really legitimize the podcast, make it into a business and do other things. And I feel like you got to take that cape and put it on to be brave. And you just put it on and like, okay, I'm going to do the things that I don't, you know, follow through the ideas you have yeah, and not shy away from them. And some of those feelings are there to make sure you're ready for that thing. Right. Because if you can't bring them along, you're not ready to go. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so it's okay. It just means, okay, I'm not quite ready to move forward on that, but it will be a part of anything you do if you're creating something that doesn't exist currently. Absolutely. So no. you talked about life one teacher life, and now are you on three or four <laughs> iterations? So talk about your transition to where you are now how that took courage. And then let's talk about your book, which I love. I watched your video like five times yesterday with you getting your book for the first time. Oh, special that was. And so let's surprise me that moment of opening the box with the book for the first time. I'm not really very emotional. Usually I'm more of a thinker and I'm pretty chill, but that moment really caught me. (laughs) So Special. Was, so yeah, let's talk about yeah. that transition to how you got to where you are and book and how do we maybe encourage I, other people? Yeah, maybe I'm still transitioning a little bit. You know, it's kind of still a process, but um, I think I had to get really honest. So teacher started a business, um, grew it for 20 years into a very large business and then uh, started to feel this calling and nudge and whisper and leading to work with women outside of that business. And it felt really ridiculous. Um, I also had a real financial need in the sense of just, we needed to make more money as a family to achieve our financial goals and to pay for our three kids to go to college and to live where we live, honestly, uh, near Chicago is expensive. So we just needed to increase our income. So all of these things were sort of swirling at the same time. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, I had, because I knew as a leader that my choices would not just affect me, but they would affect all of the people that followed me. And mm-hmm. I take that so seriously. And so there was a lot of untangling of that and pulling away very slowly from one space as I started to build what is now called Amy Kemp Inc., uh, which is six years old. I just celebrated six years of business. And so it was very gradual. It wasn't fast, which is something I would say I've learned about transitions and maybe courage is that transitions are important. Sorry, I'm eating my hair, so I'm just whipping my That's not a good thing. Transitions are important because we need what they have for us in the next phase of the journey. And we want to rush through them because they're really uncomfortable, but 
if we don't process through all of the things that they have for us. So for example, one of the things I had to let go of was this story that the only way you fail is to quit. This is in chapter one of the book, but that's not really true. And that story had been so repeated to me over and over and over and over again. And I just had to pull that story out and say, well, wait, maybe I actually do need to quit in order to grow to the next level. I need to quit um, waiting for approval from other people. I need to quit giving away areas of natural genius that are worth so much money. And I'm just giving them away. I need to quit um, over giving to the people I'm leading so that I have more time and energy to build this new thing. There were a lot of things I needed to quit. And some of those quittings affected other people in ways that didn't make them thrilled with my choices either. So I had to sort of just allow that and have allow them to have their experience with it as well. Um, I tried to do it as kindly and with as much love as I could and as slowly as I could uh, and just to give people time to process through that. Because leaving an area as a leader, again, anyone who's led people knows that it affects a lot of people. So yeah. it, I did it very imperfectly. I made some mistakes along the way, but I tried to do it with integrity as much as possible. So is that? That's perfect. You know, yeah. and I think what I love is, you know, the transition, it does take time and it's not immediate. And it's oh. that stirring in our soul. And I can remember exactly where I was walking with a friend when I first threw out of my mouth, I want to do a podcast. No idea but I just said it. And then it's just kind of evolved. And I just know that there's ways to touch other people. And I think you were definitely one of those people in my life put in there for a purpose to help me transition and watching what you're transitioning. Um, and as you said, it's a journey. Here's the other thing I think that's really important about transitions. The thing you're leaving doesn't have to be bad for it to mean that it's time for you to go. So sometimes people assume like, oh, if you're leaving, there must be something wrong or bad, but that's not always true. Uh, It may just be that it's no longer a fit for you or that there's something new being prepared for you also. So I had to let go of that also, that this wasn't bad just because I was leaving it and moving into a new space. Uh, It just, for me, there was something new and that I was being moved to pursue. And so when you pursue something for a long time, like you have, and I have, it's, I don't know about you, but I get bored really easily. Mm. And somebody said something to me a couple of years ago. It said, it's really hard to get excited about something you've already accomplished. Oh yeah. To do it again. Like the first time it's really exciting, but then after you've done it. It's like, it's hard to get excited about it. And so creating new businesses and watching them, like you said, the excitement of just watching it grow and, and, you know, your business, the book, my podcast, where this is going, it's something we're creating on our own. Yeah. You know, it's not following a cookie cutter. I mean, although you, Which we is both create awesome and terrifying. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I did a, I put off starting an LLC until I did it January 2nd. I'm like, this is going to be my first brave move. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cool. So let's talk about the conversation you had with a woman after a networking event and how that evolved into your coaching and 
especially the title of your book. Yeah. And let's talk about how we can be there for other people. I just mentioned to you when we started, uh, my sister recommended a book. She's in actually commercial real estate and she recommended a book called Unreasonable Hospitality. And at first I'm like, well, I'm not in the hospitality business, but we all are. And making people feel special and seen and giving that experience. And I think that's what you were able to do and continuing to do. And I love the thing you said, holding space for people. Yeah. Well, first, I think it's important to know that this book was written for someone and not about something. Um, my reader is a woman who has done some stuff. She's accomplished some things. She's not just starting out on the journey, but she's reached a point in her journey where she can't work any harder or any more. And yet she longs for more income impact and influence. And well, that woman doesn't need five quick tips or <laughs> no. she's not. So I'll tell the story because it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, that inspired the title of the book, but that really encapsulates the whole energy around my business and how I want people to feel in my presence. So I met someone briefly through a mutual friend at a networking event, just a community event. And I really was intrigued and I was like, oh, I'd love to meet her. So I invited her to meet me for a cup of coffee. And she's very accomplished. She sits at some tables in our community where really important decisions are made. Uh, she has a busy family from the outside looking in, you know, she has it all together and she's a leader in her place of work. And so we sat down and for about an hour, I just asked her questions. I just wanted to know her story. And toward the end of the conversation, she looked up at me kind of brusquely. And she said, why did you invite me for coffee? And without, I don't, it just came out of me, <laughs> but I just said, because I see you. And then there was like a long pause and she put her head down and she just wept. Wow. For like a long time. Well, at least it felt like it on my end, you know, but I just let her cry. And then she sat up and she like wiped her eyes and she said, thank you. So few people do. You know, and that's so true. And as leaders, there was actually somebody shared an article um, that was written in, I think, Wall Street Journal or Washington Post or something about a sports, go back to your sports analogy, a sports team owner. And during COVID, he said, you know, leaders and people that are strong and look like they got it all together and nobody asks, are you okay? Yes. And, you know, when you are a leader, um, you don't get asked that question and no. you aren't seen. And I know some powerful people and they look like they got it all going on and you get behind, pull behind the curtain uh -huh. per se. And it's like, wow, you know, you think, and you know, those powerful people, I don't know about you, but they can be sometimes intimidating. Like, will they even talk to me? And Absolutely. they're, you know, but nobody's talking to them because, um, what was, oh, I was watching the Brooke Shields. There was a Brooke Shields show on the other day. Did you see that? No, but I love, oh, gosh. I, it, was funny, three, yeah. mm -hmm. it was three hours, I think on Brooke Shields and what she and I didn't know her whole story, but she went to Princeton 
And this is after, you know, her acting career and she went to college and they were shocked that they didn't think she had any brains to get in there. But she said people were so hands off because they wanted to give her a space because who she was. And she goes, I was so lonely and I was so starving for a friend. She goes, but nobody would come near me because of who I was. And I didn't think I would talk to him. Yeah. But well, yeah. And if you think about it as a leader, let's say you're a woman who has worked your way up into the leadership ranks of a company and maybe you have a family or not, it doesn't even really matter, but let's say you're at those tables. It's not appropriate for you to be friends with the people you're leading. So you can't be friends there. Right. And then you go home and you're leading at home because you're taking care of everything there, whether you have aging parents or you have small children or medium children or whatever. Right. So then you're leading there and there's just not a lot of time and there's not a lot of people who are seeing you. Right. And so I do think I, I think it's a warning. I always say to people, if you're in that space where no one is holding space for you and no one really knows how you're doing, there should be red flags that are saying danger, 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 because we do not make great decisions when we don't have safe spaces. Uh, when we can't say to someone, whether it be a coach or a therapist or whatever, you've got to have places in your life where someone is hearing the raw version or else we just tend to make not great choices. And we tend to start to cope and escape and, you know, pick your poison. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It just tends to lead to not great outcomes. Yeah. So, so agree. Yeah. So your book is coming out and mm -hmm. you got your hands on it yesterday for the first time. It's by the yeah. time this podcast will launch or drop, as they say, um, yeah. uh, there's lots of pre-orders. So let's talk about what you talked about. The book is, um, is for someone and not about something. And so mm -hmm. let's talk about some of the messages. I know you sent me a couple chapters and I was like, that was such a tease. I'm like, <laughs> I want the whole book which I know you said it's on its way. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of the chapters, some of the things that you and I talked about before about the under earning and about the money and, you know, ask uh, or you want to talk about money. I love to talk about money. <laughs> talk about money. Okay. Oh, women have such a checkered relationship with money and we haven't been taught a lot about it. And we have often undersold ourselves. We also do the vast share of unpaid labor in our economy. So a lot of our energy is taken up doing that, that this is gender stereotyping, but that a lot of men have the freedom to go to the before and after work meetings and network, and they have um, someone taking care of all of the unpaid labor in their home. Right. And so sometimes we blame that lack of progress financially on our lack of skill. I find more often than not, it's because of the amount of time we spend doing unpaid labor. Um, so true. We'll also, volunteer for everything. Yeah. We also do all of the gift buying, all of the appointment making, all of the, um, even if it's not cleaning, but like the household maintenance, food prep, uh, there's actually a survey in the book where you get to count how many hours a week of unpaid labor you do. 
And it's eye-opening. <laughs> well, it's interesting, an interesting dynamic to me. I'm not married, I don't have kids, but I'm one of six kids. And oh. my youngest sister has Down syndrome. My dad's passed away and my mom is 82. So she needs some support here and there. She will call me in a second to help her or my other sister, but would never call my brothers in the middle of the day to ask them a question. Like they're working. I'm like, well, what am I doing? You know, and they're getting paid when they don't work. I don't get paid, you know, but she goes to myself and my sister to ask all those questions and never would think about calling my brothers. Absolutely. Or we would always, we would often have this happen in our house too. You have a sick kid, right? Well, if I'm uh, an entrepreneur who works from home, then, oh, I, but we, I would, I always would say, no, we are alternating days. Like yeah. I get, I will stay home for the day and take the day off work, but then tomorrow you're taking the day off work. <laughs> yeah, and I ran into that when my sister was in the hospital one time, mm-hmm. my brother is like, well, I can't spend the night at the hospital because I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, and what do I have to do? You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. So there's that element of this question, but even bigger is that money is such a great mirror for us in examining and really exploring uh, what we believe we're worth. And one of the hardest truths to grapple with is that we are getting paid what subconsciously we believe we're worth. (sighs) And there's all of this pushback that comes up when I even say that sometimes to people, you know, I have this job and I have to have this and I get it. I'm not, what I'm saying is in the end, the only way to earn more is to grow yourself and believe that you're worth more. And most of the time it doesn't require more work. Most Mm. of the time, the next level of income depends on you doing less, but showing up in spaces as more thinking of yourself differently. Uh, We want it to be all external. Like, well, I need to get this degree or I need to pursue this. And there are, there are some actions that will happen, but it's more about what do you believe you are worth? And here's the tricky part. The parts of us that are so, our areas of natural genius, we tend to undervalue because they feel so easy to us. Yeah. They feel like, well, anyone could do that. <laughs> and so we don't recognize, oh my goodness, that's actually worth a lot of money. Uh, yeah. and then, After we talked the other day about that, I've been paying attention to that. When people are like, oh, how do you do that? And I'm like, that's, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so easy. Yes. But in the book, I say, pay attention to the thing that feels easy to you, but astonishes everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. One thing I always have been good at in, as a teacher in my first business, and then is facilitating small group conversations. Always. I did that in my classroom. I did that always with my business. I, f- I thought like, Oh, that's so everyone could do that. Right. Where I'm digging deep with people, pulling people into the conversation, getting everyone involved, you know, and just facilitating. Well, I learned no one really can do that very well. (laughs) And Uh it's exceptionally valuable in our marketplace. Uh, It is rare. Therefore, it is valuable. And I can take that gift 
and use it as a part of my business, which I do with my small group coaching and earn a lot of money for it. And for me, I I would do it for free. It's so fun. It's so life-giving to me. Again, I do it. If I go out to eat with friends, I do it. I do it even when I'm not, you know, I just do it. It's just who Mm -hmm. I am. Exactly. Yeah. One of those things we just do and people like, you don't think it's anything special. Somebody said, I don't know if you said this or something, somebody I read, it's like when people think it's magical what you're doing and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so easy. Like gathering people, putting on an event. Yeah. Yeah. But here's where I had to grow. I'm still growing every day is when you start to have to put a price tag on that, Mm -hmm. you get to encounter all of of your unhealthy habits of thinking. You get to really, it brings everything up to the surface where it's like, wait a second, I've been doing that for free for so long. No one's ever paid me for that. Mm -hmm. How could I ever charge someone for that? Would someone pay for that? How much would they pay for that? What are people going to say about me if I charge for that? I mean, all that's all what I would put in quotation marks is noise comes to the surface to either be healed to be acknowledged, to be heard, to be surrendered, you know, you get to encounter it though, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but every step of the way, the growth of my earnings has required more letting go than doing. It's required more expansive thinking than actual hours. It's required more of a connection to source or God, whatever you call it. But to me, like more of an openness to be a vessel through which that energy can flow out into the world and clearing out the blockage than it has been about me strategically figuring something out. Now, when that flow happens through me, I'm super strategic. I love strategy, but that's not me figuring it out. That's just me responding and allowing and growing and like expanding. Um, And as you're in that creative space and creating new stuff, it does take being quiet. I am the other night I couldn't sleep. And all of a sudden I was like, came up with these grand ideas and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're right here. But it took being quiet and not being able to go to sleep. And I literally got up and took notes and I'm like, all right, this is where we're going. But, but it was ideas and it was meetings and it was brainstorming and it just was kind of marinating. And then, yeah. Speaking of courage, that's scary because sometimes we've created such a hamster wheel of doing to keep up with our lifestyle. Mm Mm-hmm. So to stop or to like show up differently or to pull away from some of that stuff, to say no to some of that for me meant I'm not going to be making income from there then. And so I've got to let that go, make space for something new before the new shows up. There was a moment, there was a gap of like, uh, (laughs) where you're like, yeah, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. However, uh, I would not have been able to create the new thing, holding on to those old mindsets. The yeah. other piece about money is that we give it, we give so much of our power away to it to make us feel a certain way. Um, so when I earn this much, then I will be happy or I right. will be safe or I will be fulfilled. 
when I, I'll give you a, a really a concrete example because they just, the painter just came yesterday. I want, I've been wanting to redo our master bedroom and I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And, and then I was like, why do I want this? What do, what, do, what do I think this is going to give me? <laughs> and when I think about it, I think, oh, it's like an inviting, warm, cool space that I'm proud of, that I want to create, that is beautiful and um, representative of our life and our love for each other. And, you know, I wanted to create this feeling with this room. Right. Well, if I head into my day with that feeling already there before I have the money to pay for it, I'm going to create the money way faster mm -hmm. than if I'm thinking I got to create the money to get this thing I want. Right. So I can have that feeling. Yeah. I can so access true. the feeling now. I can feel warm and excited and proud and energized and right. I can access that right where I am, move into my day. I am much more likely to generate the income I need to pay for it right. than the other way around. Uh, but we're constantly giving our power away to money to allow us to feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I will give you a example of painting the wall, the, um, your room and how it can shift your energy, do it. Um, the wall behind me, if people are watching on YouTube was a bright pink wall and that's not my favorite color. And I didn't like it. I had it for meetings and things. And last year I took the time to paint the wall, the color to match everything else. And oh my gosh, what energy and freedom that gave me to just, so, you know, I would, I told somebody, I'm like every night I put all the clutter away and it just gave me so much more peace. And sometimes we need to spend the time doing those little things that are going to open us up to more. Yeah. And our physical spaces are a representation of our inner world too. I also love your blue because it's like the branding of all my business and my book. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, the branding. I'm more of, it's more of a teal, but yeah, from my yeah. watch to my mm -hmm. earrings, that's all the why not today look. And, yeah. and it's, you know, and those kind of things, it just, I noticed it does. And I noticed uh, something you posted um, with the blue, you're in a ball pit, it looked like, or something. Yeah. We went to and, New York and they had the color factory had my color blue, like this whole yeah. room full of these balls that you could jump in. <laughs> yeah. So surrounding yourself with that, those colors and energy does make a difference. So is there another chapter or something oh, that you want to sh share you love or your favorite? Yeah. I think one thing um, that I am most proud of in this book is the chapter on structure, which is toward the end. It's called Surrender to Structure. Okay. There are a lot of areas in our life where we know that embracing structure would benefit us with a budget, with our health, with um, basically all of the things you set New Year's resolutions about <laughs> mm -hmm. are, are, they revolve around structure and what I have learned about structure is that powering through and trying to discipline yourself to embrace structure, particularly in an area where you've had a lot of failure or a lot of times recommitting to it is futile and not beneficial. What I've discovered is that if you, you know, you're walking on the beach, sometimes you see the people with the metal detectors and they're mm -hmm. scanning the sand. 
I love when in my coaching with a client, I encounter a space where they're not resisting or where they are resisting structure. They know it would benefit them. They know it would benefit them to make a to-do list in the morning before they get started on their day, and but they just don't do it. They know it would benefit them to start setting aside money for savings every month, but they just don't do it. It's like that thing where you know, it's, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> but you're just not doing it. If you can imagine that person walking along the beach, when you run into the place where you are resisting structure, if you will stop and dig down deep right there, there is almost always unhealed pain. Mm. Almost. I, I actually can't think of one instance with a client where there hasn't been. And for women, that tends to be a lot around our bodies. We have a lot of unhealed pain as it pertains to our bodies. Uh, we will resist structure that takes care of them because we have messaging about putting ourselves first being selfish. Uh, we have messaging about what shape our body should be and you know, what is good and bad for that shape. Uh, we have a lot of experiences with our bodies that weren't positive. So a lot of times we will resist structure in places that would aid or um, make our bodies be more healthy. Right. Mine in the book, the story that I share in the book is around money. So you'll have to read the story, but it is about me resisting a structure with money that I knew would serve my business. I knew that if I implemented this structure, everything would flow better. I would make more, the business would be more healthy. And yet I was not doing it. <laughs> and so I had oh, read sure. this book about this structure. I actually emailed the author and, and like said, I'm not sure that this is the correct way to do this. Like I was in such resistance to this. structure. Oh, wow. And what I learned with the help of a coach is that underneath that was a bunch of unhealed pain around money. Mm. As soon as we together acknowledged that and I worked through it and really felt the pain of it and then was able to just feel it and let it go, I, within a day, had embraced and gotten the whole thing set up. There was no external resistance. It was all about me healing this part of me. Wow. And so that would be, that's probably the chapter I'm praying that people get to because I'm most proud of it. It is the most tender and vulnerable without question, but it's also, I feel like the most important. So All right, I'm going to read that one first. <laughs> Yay. So. All right. So how would you encourage somebody else to be courageous? I know mm. we've talked about a lot of different things, but anything specific? Yeah. I think for if, particularly if you're a woman, to take conscious, concrete action to prioritize investing in you, whether that be joining the yoga studio or hiring the babysitter or um, taking the webinar or whatever, you know, uh, is in front of you that feels like, ooh, this is just about me investing in me. I would encourage that. 
Okay. Whatever that is, I think that's where your next best step is. Because if you grow you, the rest of it tends to take care of itself. Yeah. And keep your cup filled. Um, that is such a powerful thing. And we put ourselves last. And I did this several years ago. And then 2019, I started again. I called it my toes in the sand tour. And I'm a beach girl and I like the beach. But, you know, you know, you own your own business. We can work 24-7. And so I was in, started in 2019 intentional and deliberate about going somewhere every month on vacation I and just taking that. a few days off to put my toes in the sand. And if it wasn't scheduled, I would like, there was one time I went one night and came back the next day, but I was intentional. And then when COVID happened and I started traveling more with just because I could work anywhere, it became, I traveled all the time. Like I was gone 50% of the time, but I was working all that time. I never was off. So mm -hmm. I decided at the beginning of the year, I'm going to start that again. Last weekend I went to the beach and I was thinking, I, there's so many things I need to do, but I'm like, I need to fill my cup. And yeah. I came back just the time in the car, walking mm -hmm. on the beach, just watching mm -hmm. a movie, even though it was it's, rainy. It's like, who cares? Yeah. It's guilt-free play. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So we yeah. need to do all those things. So love mm -hmm. it. So I always try to when I interview anybody connect it back to my dad because he is mm -hmm. who I honor with doing this podcast and you know people are like well I never met your dad which obviously you didn't but so I was trying to as we talk different stories and I think I'm going to relate the Chicago and this actually goes back to the money thing so first of all my dad had a pivot in his life when um, the logo for the podcast is his we call it flat pat his name was pat but he had an eye patch and a handlebar mustache and he had the eye patch because he got in a major car accident when he was in high school the night he graduated. And so he had to pivot and he was supposed to play football and he lived in California, I think for USC, but because of being in the hospital a month, he couldn't. And so this is so funny that today any kid would be like, what? Um, his grandfather lived in the Cleveland area. So my grand, my grandfather put my dad on a train and sent him to Notre Dame to go to college. Um. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, okay, go to Notre Dame instead. Like, how would that possibly happen today? But one time, and this made me so mad, my brother got in trouble. I don't even remember what he did. But my dad's punishment was to take him to a Notre Dame football game. I'm like, how is that punishment? Well, they flew into Chicago and he drove him through all the bad parts of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then he took him to Notre Dame to a football game. And he goes, you get to choose. It's crossroads mm -hmm. in your business, your life. Like, what are you going to do? And he's very successful and chose mm -hmm. the right path. But so the Chicago connection was the biggest thing mm -hmm. in talking about money. So, well, I can't wait to get my hands on your book and we're going to share all the contact information in the show notes, how to find you. Um, what is the best place that you like people to find you? Yeah. AmyKemp.com is my website and the easiest okay. place to find out all about the book. Of course, Instagram and Facebook also are at Amy Kemp Inc. Um, okay. You can find me there as well, but my website's fun. You can toggle around to a bunch of different things. My blog, you can take the habit finder assessment. You can read all about the book. There's a trailer about the book. It's fun stuff on there. So, okay. and then the book is coming out February 29th. Yes. I love that. Such a order, which is super exciting. People can actually order it now, which is great. And Yay. the audible uh, will be up as well. I recorded the audible. So if you're a listener, uh, you'll get that's to awesome. hear it in my voice. And I love February 29th because that's a magical day. It's the extra day of the year, every yes. four years. So, yep. yay. Well, thank you for being a guest and lots of good tid tidbits here. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure you go review the podcast. Um, 
like it, share it with friends. And we are going to a weekly episode now. So lots of fun things going on. Of course, I do have the Why Not Today swag. If you remember, remind you, just like life is good, why not today? I have t-shirts and cups and stickers to remind you to be brave and be courageous every day. So thanks again, Amy. And thank you everybody for listening. And remember, say why not today?